Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Arsenal Pass Time of the Round, episode 22. Today, we're joined by last minute guest, Dante Delfico. I actually haven't written an entree. Sorry, an entree. For Dante. <laughs> an entree for Dante. Uh, I've written an, entree, an intro for him, but a lot of us know Dante Delfico already. Um, had a little bit of fame back in the early skirmish seasons, winning a lot of skirmishes, then proceeded to throw his career in the garbage bin and lose a few colleagues. Just kidding. He actually had a very successful professional season. Um, throughout the calling, he ended with three PTIs um, in total. And Dante, how did your uh, Canadian national champs go? Uh, poorly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was not the winner, so uh, that is a failure in my eyes. But, you know, such is life. It, uh, it happens. I guess I'll have to try again next year. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So Dante's also a member of our testing team, a person that we've kind of been around a lot. Uh, in recent time, I met Dante for the first time in what was it Vegas and had some interesting experiences meeting him for the first time in person. <laughs> Slept in the same room as him, and uh, it got a bit weird, but not in the way you I think it think, did. I think you should consider yourself lucky. People is would it? die to be in that position. Uh, I guess it I is think time. I took it for granted. So I think it's time for that story to be on Arsenal Pass because I've told this story on. Um, Sorry, the UK podcast, Push the Point podcast. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think it's time to, sh- to bring it All to right, let's hear it. I want to hear the story. You can go ahead. Yeah. So, leading up to Vegas, um, Dante are like, Dante and I decided to room together. I said, Dante, uh, if we're going to room together, you, you just can't snore. Can't do it. I can't sleep. If you do that, it's a big no-go. He's like, yeah, no worries. I don't do it. I was like, okay. All good. Just want to let you know that if you do it, I'll smother you. <laughs> So he, you know, we go for a few months, we have everything booked. And then apparently like a couple of weeks leading up to it, he messages an old roommate and he's like, Hey, do I snore in the roommate? It's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> or something. And Dante doesn't tell me, of course. Um, I land in Vegas. Dante lands a little bit after me. Or I, sorry, he landed before me. I landed after. And then I, you know, because he's Canadian, I decided to walk him around the strip, the Vegas strip. Walk around for about two to three hours. I just remember Dante was like, hmm, my feet really hurt. I was like, he's like, I'm really tired. I was like, okay, we'll be back. And, um, yeah, we got Both to sleep. our feet really hurt. Thank you very much. We <laughs> were on like a 15-kilometer walk. <laughs> so we we go back for the night, and we go to sleep, uh, to sleep, right? And Don, uh, what Dante does is he doesn't snore. He's laying in his bed, and he's about to fall asleep, and he just, like, whenever he moves his body, he just makes this violent, like, animal just dying sound, kind of like, like just weird so i was sitting in my bed and i'm just like sitting i'm like uh he just kept doing it for like 20 minutes i was like damn i really made him tired on that walk or something like that i don't know but um yeah that's dante's thing he after that he slept like a baby no problem with the sleep but every single night just like shit and he would just like curse and just all this stuff but he he has no recollection of doing it crazy enough it's it's kind of nice that you watched him go to sleep brendan Set up, made, made sure that he was okay. Well, he would I be mean, listening to his audiobooks. Yeah, that? you try to sleep through that. I'm listening to, you know, Pride and Prejudice and just chilling out, and then Dante is like <laughs> screaming at his neighbor in the bed next to me. It's weird because, like, I know I've said this to you, but nobody has ever told me that before. Like, no roommates, no, like, past girlfriends or anything like that. Nobody has ever said, yeah, when you fall asleep, you make this weird mm. grunting noise every time you move. So I half think you're kind of lying because you've told me that you you said you talked like your ex or something. And no, like, no, yeah, no, 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 no. One thing is that you no, talk no. in your sleep. <laughs> I think yeah, it's Yeah, so that was my, my old roommate said that I did talk in my sleep every now and again. 
like every now and again, not every single night, but you make it sound like every single night I'm just grunting and <laughs> dying a bit while I'm trying to fall asleep. So. Don't tell wondered why he has all these restraining orders against him. And so it's to do with his uh, yeah. sleeping patterns. It's, it's all starting to make sense, actually. Yeah, it was bizarre. But after that, he slept like a baby. I do have my patented uh, Dante fan that I bring with me to every turn. Oh, that is really weird, by the way. What, yeah, having a fan for white noise? <laughs> Yeah, just you just got like, it at one of the callings, and he asked me to go buy one in the airport. Oh, I went. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because you were in the airport, but I just went and got. I went and bought one well, in Cincinnati. When I came to Orlando, and I had the, I guess, pleasure of of staying with you two. Thankfully, we had separate rooms because that was, you know, on the agenda for me. But I walked past Brendan's room, uh, just just having a look, looking around the place, and all I hear is like, uh, I'm like, what is that noise? It's the middle of the day. We've just got back from, you know, being out for the day. Fans on. There's a fan on in your room. Let me let me let me break it down for the listeners here about how the geometry of this room or this geometry. apartment was. Mm. Yeah, we walk in and you get Hayden's big master bedroom, and you have a living room, and there's a little hallway, and then there's me and Dante's room right next to each other. So guess what I could hear at night if I didn't run my fan through the wall? It's like so. Obviously, I'm running my fan. <laughs> There's no chance that you could hear me through the walls. I don't think he turned I it off, Dante. I, I think he had it on the whole time. He did have it on the whole time. Like weird. when you guys were, I think you guys went out for breakfast one morning after uh, after the Sunday when we went out, and I slept until like noon, um, and the fan was still going, and I was like, "Damn, this guy just doesn't quit." Like <laughs> he's scared he's gonna hear you from three miles down the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fan is the trick. Well, good to know. <laughs> Dante, Dante. So what a ridiculous segment. <laughs> I had to. I wanted to bring it back to flesh and blood, if you don't mind, as much as I enjoy. It. I mean, sure, this is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, flesh yeah. and blood related. We were all in the same room. Uh, well, not in the same room, but you know, in the same place. Clarify. Mm. Um, you just played Canadian Nationals this past weekend, and I wanted to ask you. Obviously, top eight at Orlando the weekend before, and you've as Brendan said, great season, right? Three PCIs in the bank. Two from Callings, one from Canadian Nationals. You had a week between Orlando and uh, Canadian Nationals, and the middle was starting to change, right? So, like, what was your kind of, what did your week look like? Like, what were you testing? What were your thought process? And in the end, what made you ultimately run back uh, the Briar Deck into Canadian Nationals? Yeah. So, um, I guess the week prior, uh, it was kind of just how can we make a deck that targets Briar? That number one, I have all the cards for, and number two, I know how to play properly. Um, I had success with Briar in Orlando, so obviously I know how to play that deck. I know how to pilot it correctly to like you know a high level. Uh, so I was very comfortable with that deck, but I figured that at least I don't know, knowing Canadians, probably like fifty percent of people were going to be on that deck. And the last thing I wanted was to play like twenty mirrors in a day because I really do not like playing mirrors. Um, and if 50% of the meta is going to be on that deck, then if I can bring something that targets that deck extremely well, um, then that would probably be the move. Uh, I would make my day a lot easier and I'd really only have to worry about, uh, sealed and draft. Um, so obviously our top contenders for that were, uh, Lexi, Ice Lexi and, and Viscerai because the Viscerai deck that, that Matt Rogers ran in Orlando was extremely good into the Lightning Briar deck. Um, I played a lot against the Viscerai deck, and uh, we the matchup seemed like it was like ninety ten for for Viscerai. Like you could almost never lose as as the Viscerai player. I don't know how you guys managed to do it in that uh, in that video you put out, but 
it, I hate it seems bad. impossible. That's exactly. Hey, listen, I don't want to say it, but uh, <laughs> I think that somebody was piloting the deck incorrectly because you, you almost that never lose on that deck. Uh, <laughs> I'm only in the five or six plunder runs from Arsenal. That might be the way to beat oh, it, Dante. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that did that is the way that we found that you beat that deck was basically just like this constant plunder run spam where the Viscerai player just doesn't get to play the game, um, which doesn't really happen very frequently. Uh, like I said, about ten percent of the time. So going in, I wanted to play this, to be honest. But number one, I hadn't practiced it at all. Uh, and number two, I didn't even have the cards for it. So it just became, I guess I'm just playing Lightning Briar again, and I'm going to pray to God that nobody's on the Vis deck, which nobody was, surprisingly. I thought that there were going to be a lot of people mm -hmm. on it, and I was just kind of hoping that they just weren't going to play it properly. Uh, but it ended up that there were more old hymns uh, and ice selectors actually, than there were... Uh, like viscerai players i think there was a couple viscerai players but i think that they might have lost um one of their early rounds so i didn't actually end up end up seeing them on the day um which was fortunate for me um but yeah most of most most of canadian nats was just like very aggressive decks and there were obviously a few ice Lexies, um and old hymns and bravos and stuff like that but for the most part i think probably 50 percent of the meta was that lightning briar deck so um, it was good that, you know, I was experienced enough and like I understood how to play the mirror correctly because there were quite a few Lightning Briar mirrors that I had to play throughout the day. Do you know what the breakdown was? You said you thought maybe 50% of people might play the deck. I'm sure it wasn't quite that much, but maybe, maybe close. Yeah, I think that LSS put out an article with the day two breakdown. I don't think they had the full breakdown, but I think day two was 50% Briar um, yeah, that was yeah. there. And yeah. I think two Briars out of that 50% were like earth or hybrid and everything else was just pure like lightning like just Tarek patel's list basically yeah. you, you said uh playing 20 mirrors to be honest playing 20 mirrors sounds like a dream uh actually <laughs> i personally like the lightning i don't, I don't know why guys, i don't know why you guys enjoy that okay. it's not but to be fair to, to be fair like you say you don't enjoy it and you complain about it but you never lose the mirror like how many times <laughs> in a in a competitive and pro event have you lost the mirror yeah I listen. Hey, I see what I, you're well, saying. I've lost. I've lost zero times. Hayden's lost zero times, and I'm pretty sure you've also lost zero times. Yeah, I I came close that one time though in Orlando. You remember that? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. <laughs> I was so t I was so tilted by what your opponent. I wasn't tilted, but I was so concerned by what your opponent did to throw that game away. I actually, like, was like, hey, why didn't you just sign on paper, Sonata? Hey, sometimes yeah, I was. Sorry, you, you go ahead, Hayden. Let's just say sometimes <laughs> in the day you've got to rely on that. You know, you you got to get a little bit of luck leading your way. Get a little bit of, uh, you know, sometimes you need a misplay or a, a good draw to to win a game. That's fine. Yeah. Well, Brennan's right. He's correct that I haven't actually lost the mirror in like a competitive event. Obviously, like in testing and stuff, you you lose all the time. But um, I don't know. I still don't enjoy playing it. I don't know why. Even though it's like wins or whatever i just i don't love it so i would rather play something else and just not play mirrors i think i just detest mirror matches to be honest with you i don't know why um that that chain experience is just haunting you forever <laughs> yeah i think it is i honestly think that's what it is chain just ruined everything for me um and now here i am there's this jaded man who hates Mirrors. <laughs> I mean, your 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 two your two calling top eights have come in midders that have been you've played the meta deck and played a number of mirrors throughout those events uh, to top eights. Yeah. So <laughs> well, it's going to happen again the, via the mirror in um in Vegas. So I think yeah, I always lose. I always lose to something else. Actually, I did lose the mirror in Vegas. Yeah, that might be what it was. See? 
what scarred you for that's life. Why, that's the chain mirror. That's different. That's chain why I hate mirrors. Is, ugh, chain mirror. Is yeah, chain story. mirror. Double razor reflex. I just we don't we don't talk about that though. Every time somebody plays a razor reflex against me, I get like PTSD. You like do the shakes. <laughs> back, yeah. Can't even play Iron Mirrors anymore. Just it just doesn't mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Ira, Dante, with your skirmishes coming up, I don't know if you have any blitz ones, but you know, since you are sort of a famous blitz player, what deck are you gonna be on this season? Uh, well, I'm actually committed to to learning Kano for this season, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'll get a chance to learn Kano prior to like many of the skirmishes that I have coming up. Uh, I also don't know how many skirmishes I'll be going to, to be honest. But if I can bring Kano to one, and I've had like you know a few reps on the deck, I'll probably bring Kano and just see how I do. Um, but yeah, I'm committed to learning Kano because I feel like he's the future, and Ira is kind of going by the wayside. Ooh, yeah. Interesting. He has a really, he has a lot of good matchups. I mean, in the a lot of the Ireless have cut the double sigil makes it a lot easier. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the format's just getting it's it's getting more and more aggressive again, which is uh, which is interesting. We'll see if it keeps going the same way. Although I saw, I saw some old time pop up. We had, I think we had two old time decks in the top eight of our uh, Blitz skirmish last weekend, so it was like yeah, it was very polarizing. Like some very aggressive decks. Like even the Ira decks were a bit more aggressive. Uh, There's a couple of Kano, and then there was like these two old time decks that were kind of you know just trying to yeah. dirtle away a little bit. Yeah, I was talking to some friends. Apparently, Ira or not Ira, uh, Briar and Oldham are like yeah. just so good in Blitz right now. Apparently, Oldham is like the best Blitz deck according to them. They said yeah. that if I want to take anything, I should take Oldham. And I tested I don't Kano with Oldham like twenty games, and it was a total buy. I got one. All really? 20. Yep. You want all twenty? Well, like, yeah. It, yep. Hundred percent. Do you just so have to like set up the like, bottom, or what do you do? Well, it depends what they're running, right? If they run the four no rune and they're just like. They have like a fatigue deck that they've used to prey on like Ira and I guess also Briar. Then yeah, you can set up the double blazing. But even like through Nolan Four, you can just chip them down. <laughs> it's like I don't know. Like Kano gets through Nolan Four fine enough, but you just set up the bottom in case for insurance in case you have to block on the turn you don't want to and lose key pieces. But yeah, it's super easy to set up double blazing if it's that deck. And then the other deck, um, yeah, it was also just way easier than Ira. The thing like Ira is just hard because there's so much value out of the hero abilities, also Razor Reflex and Needle Sigil of Solace. Needle. Yeah, Needle. <laughs> yeah, Needle, Sigil of Solace, and then like CNC's for seven, all that kind of stuff is not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well So you're playing. I guess I'll just have to try now. try it out myself. Because I actually haven't played any any blitz since last skirmish season. So Yeah, I could have been playing against a wonky list, but the person I was playing against even tried switching up the list a little bit and it was still Super mm-hmm. Kano favorite, it seemed. Um, but speaking of learning Kano, is that what, do you think that Kano is the future because Ira is going to rotate out, or because you think he's going to get something in Everfest? Uh, well, number one, I think he's going to get some nice stuff in Everfest. I think that they have neglected him for far too long. Um, and you know, all the Kano mains are they have their pitchforks ready. They're like, show us another Runeblade LSS, give me another one. So they're they're ready, um, and I think that uh, I think that LSS really uh, like the wizard class um, almost as much as they like rune blades, but not not quite. Um, so I feel like there could definitely be some things coming in Everfest, and uh, if there are, I feel like that's probably going to be the deck to be on. I also just think it's like in terms of blitz decks, and I know like oh, an Ira player is saying this, but. I think Kano is tier zero, and then there are other things that are tier one, but nothing else is in tier zero with Kano. 
Not even disagree if you want, but uh, that is my opinion. <laughs> oh. That's such a that's, that's, that's a that's a trap. <laughs> it's kind of, it, it's kind of it's, keep in mind it's coming from the player that hasn't even learned Kano yet. So zero that's true, games yeah. on Kano. Yeah, Ira is definitely uh, probably equal with Kano. I can't that's wait a for hard match. Go for Dante to play like thirty games with Kano and be like, "Dick's trash." <laughs> matchups. These matchups are unwinnable. That's the that's the natural progression of Kano right there. Yeah, that is also the Dante Delfico classic. So I was going to say anything. Buck, buckle up, boys. Going to so be Dante, some fun testing next week. I want to talk about so for the professional season, you obviously you're from Canada, but you made it out to every single event. So you made it out to Las Vegas, Dallas, Cincinnati, and Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty crazy schedule you had. We'll talk about that right after you answer this question, which is are you planning to keep that up for 2022? Are you going to be traveling for all the events? I would love to. I just don't know if I will be able to. Number one, it's a pretty big financial commitment. Um, I haven't been on vacation a long, long time. So this was just like, let's go on, you know, a month straight of vacation, essentially, um, which was nice. And it was a lot of fun. But I just don't know if I can if I can keep that up. Like it's, you know, mucho dinero, which uh, I'm not trying to spend mucho dinero, you know. <laughs> you know I like thing. saving. I'm a big, I'm a big time saver. Um, you guys know that about me. So I don't know if I'll be going to every single one. Obviously, I will try and make it out to all the ones that that make sense, I guess. But between plane tickets and COVID tests and eating out and like this and that, like the, it really adds up in terms of how much money you're you're spending uh, on these events. Specifically, the COVID tests. I spent like a thousand dollars in COVID tests. A thousand USD, by the way, not even CAD. So that's like what six thousand CAD in COVID tests. Um, just an insane amount of money. <laughs> uh it really yeah it adds up pretty quick so i don't know financially i don't know if it's in the books but um i would love to it would be a lot of fun i would also have to like get time off from work and it's just a lot and i think there are going to be a lot of callings next year so i'm going to make it for the ones that i can but i don't think that i can just you know kind of table everything and go to all these callings uh like i did this year i remember you originally weren't planning to go to cincinnati how did how did that happen right you're in dallas (laughs) you're planning to go back to canada tell us the story about how you got to cincinnati so i I did plan on going to cincinnati the issue is that the planned on driving (laughs) the american yeah the american land border stayed closed um to canadians so i wouldn't have actually been able to drive into uh into the states uh i live in toronto so it would only been have been a about a five hour drive or so um so i didn't buy a plane ticket i didn't do any of that uh I didn't plan on going at all. And then I'm in, you know, we're, we're all there for, for Dallas. We're having a good time. Uh, maybe a couple drinks in me when I, when I made this, uh, this decision, but you know, <laughs> things happen. And uh, basically I was talking with you guys, um, you and Zach and Steven and Tim and everybody, Ian. Um, not me. And you guys, are, not you. Yeah. You weren't there. <laughs> um, but I was talking with everybody else, basically everybody else who matters. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And you guys basically convinced me to uh, to go to Cincinnati. Um, I didn't really like I didn't think that it was in the cards because flights to me, like anytime I try and book a flight, it's like a thousand dollars minimum. But I looked at flights within the US and I was shocked. I got a flight for sixty seven dollars Canadian from Dallas to Cincinnati, um, which (laughs) which is an insane price. Uh, I just needed somewhere to stay. And then, you know. Brennan Patrick, the greatest man of all time. What does he do? Calls up his parents. 
I stay with Brendan's parents for a week. I became Brendan Patrick. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. He became I like my parents' place. son. Literally, he went and lived with my parents. Sitting at the dinner um, table, they're like, watching they're like, football. You know, they're like 45 minutes yeah. away. Um, so yeah, it was just, he, I, I, I just have a one bedroom apartment with an office. Um, so there wasn't a lot of room here. So he, <laughs> I called my parents and they have like an extra bedroom and everything like, yeah, no problem. And he just was like a surrogate child for a week. I, I gave him like every night with your dad. <laughs> I just, I gave, I literally gave Dante my car. Yeah, you know, it's, just, it's true. He had a car, a house, a family. He had a <laughs> parents. He had dogs. I had everything. And, no, that honestly, I, I didn't. Did. I didn't even see him that much that week. He didn't even want to hang out. Each other like was, twice. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, let's relax. <laughs> it was too cool for me. You said you were busy, but I was uh, like, Dante, you want to come over? He's like, Nah, man, I'm hanging out with your dad. Me and your dad <laughs> are playing some hoops. <laughs> playing some hoops. Yeah, watching. Could you imagine? We had a yeah, great Dante, time. Yeah, let, Dante, let's go to dinner. Fuck that! I'm playing catch with my with your dad. <laughs> I heard that when when Dante left to jump on the plane, your dad said goodbye, son. I'll see you soon. So, almost certainly, it was a uh, it was a pretty heartfelt moment. I'm not going to lie to you. The amount, of bonding, the amount of bonding that I did with that man in such a short period of time. Oh, man. I miss your dad already. Oh, it's so bizarre. <laughs> Do you miss Brendan? Uh, I guess uh, not really, today. but his parents, I swear to God, they were the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, it was insane. How like hospitable they were. Just, ugh, just so nice. It's called uh, Southern hospitality. I, I can't thank them enough, and they allowed me to go to the, uh, the Cincinnati calling, which ended up also being a failure, but, you know, <laughs> such is life. I had a great time with my friends, so. Paid you for Orlando, yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. Um, to kind of go back to that previous question, I will try and go to all the constructed callings, but I don't think I will ever go to a limited calling again for as long as I live, uh, because I just think that I am the worst limited player of all time. Um, I think that you've evolved because last time I talked to you, it was that limited is trash and it's high variance, but now it's this is like are these like the stages of denial we're going through. It's like limited is trash, and then it goes. I'm well, yeah, yeah, that's how player. it works, right? Is you start with my opponent is garbage and I'm the greatest, and then you kind of evolve into wait, maybe I'm actually not very good at this game. Um, and I've come to learn that uh, pretty quickly, uh, especially at Canadian Nats. Holy moly, I have to win one game. It was funny at Canadian Nats. There's day two is three rounds of Swiss uh, for. Um, three rounds of draft, sorry, and then you go to the top eight. I needed to win, I think, one game. Um, so one out of three. And I took two losses right away, like instantly, because my deck that I drafted was so garbage. And then things just ended up like lining up for me nicely in the last game. But otherwise, I think I would have missed out on the top eight just because like my drafting and just limited playability is so poor. Um so yeah, things to keep in mind, but I definitely will not be traveling for limited callings in the future. I just can't do that to myself. What about when I come have... Are you going to come for one, Hayden? Yeah, if I come for one, you have to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I might. <laughs> Maybe I'll just play side events all weekend. <laughs> I'll, I'll farm one of those, uh, one of those big sheets cards. of cards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Know, like, sheets. Right cut sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll farm one of those all weekend. <laughs> Make my money back. All right, so let's talk about Everfest because obviously that's kind of the hot news. Like, what do you, Dante? What do you want to get out of it? Like, what are you looking to see? 
what will make that set get old Dante Delfico excited? You know, what'll warm you up in that cold Canadian winter? Well, um, I'll be honest here. Some mech cards. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> that gets me. Uh, that gets me excited. I love the mechanologist class, so um, I think that more mech cards would be pretty sweet. I don't even need items. You know what? If you don't want to give me items, no problem. Just give me some more boost cards. You know, give me some <laughs> nice boost cards. Let me see. Uh, let me see what you got for me there. Um, so boost cards would be cool. Um, just mechanologist cards in general. Uh, I think that some new ninja cards would be kind of nice to see. Uh, that might spice up uh, spice up the Katsu deck a little bit, which I feel like Katsu is like right on the precipice of being like insane. Um, he just hasn't quite gotten there yet because he doesn't. Uh, they're just. I feel like he just doesn't have the cards to to be there right now. He's like so close to being Between. tier one, amazing, but he's just not quite there yet. And I think that a couple more cards will get him there. It's weird because ninja has such a deep card pool. Very wide yeah, card I know. pool, though, I would say, rather than yeah, being deep. It is wide. Yeah. It is not, I wouldn't, you know, very vertical, yeah. very horizontal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a I whole don't know. section of cards that are just not used, like the Flood of Force and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, there's like a bunch of combo lines that just don't see play because they're not that great. Um, and I don't know if there might be like new heroes in the set or anything like that, but I would love to see that as well. Um, I don't think like they would only do young heroes, I believe, but um, they're like KO, for example, not my favorite young hero ever, but he you know, he's a little spicer. Uh, I like, uh, I like the, uh, the spice that he brings. So if they have some more, some other young heroes, you know, similar to Kasai and things like that, um, I think that could be really fun. They could do if a they... goal. If you, you think, think so? about it, right? Yeah. Cause if you think about Crucible of War, it was released in the context of like Blitz becoming a format, right? So it was really exciting mm -hmm. for it to be young heroes. Um, well, that's like, obviously they've shown that they're willing to push the creative and design bounds more with young heroes. Like we have Shiana, we have Cavdeen, this mm -hmm. weird stuff, KO. Um, I think it's totally reasonable for a supplement, supplementary set to have like a new adult hero. Hmm. I think, yeah, I don't know. That would be really cool. I think just any new heroes in general definitely bring something, something new to the game. Uh, I'd also like to see some cards for like, I don't know if they did like, shadow ninja or something like that but there is no shadow ninja hero so we get a little sneak peek a little taster for what's going to be in the set after and that would be kind of cool uh cards you would, that you can't actually you use, want deep cuts just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would actually because it would get me excited for what's coming next um obviously not like a a whole bunch of dead cards but like maybe just one card that's kind of thrown in there that nobody can use yet but uh somebody will be able to use in the future why can't i just use flavor takes for that no, I would definitely want at least one, at least one dead card. <laughs> okay. Or I would also like to see an expansion on the on the merchant. Um, like yeah, class. copper, like, silver, gold, whatever the heck they're supposed to do with that. Exactly. Yeah, I think that some like merchant attacks and a merchant weapon uh, would be would be really cool to see. Merchant class cards. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Or at least my, like expand expand on the uh, the currency system, right? Yeah. Uh, Hayden, you said you said a few times you're not excited to have that expanded on, but like it's still like it's very. They teased us. I mean, there's obviously more to it than just like this copper token. It's just one of those ones where it's that. like it's it, it seems like it's going to be more enjoyable to want to have it than to actually have it. You know. Mm, yeah, but I love <laughs> copper tokens. Like if they weren't so, they're kind of bad, right? Do you do you like, love copper tokens? What do you love about them? Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> 
it's inherent. Like, I mean, if you look at the design of it, I think that it, it's like a variance fixing design, right? Like you pay X number of cards to re get refill that, right? So help fix variance. Yeah. So like if we had like silver or gold, maybe the rate is a bit better. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just like four, four copper is one silver, four silver is one gold. And you know, there's different cash and rates to how you filter your hand. Yeah. I do, I do get worried about uh, Flesh and Blood having like resource sinks because I think resource sinks are like really powerful effects in a game like this yeah. where you play hand to hand or where, you know, where you, you both opponents are refreshing so you can gain advantage off like resource sinks. Um, that's like my only concern with those kind of cards. And they've been very, LSS so far, and their design have been very careful to avoid um, some of these like resource sinks that could be, you know, could potentially be very, very powerful. I mean, I look at something like, you know, like Exude Confidence, right? Like that's a resource sink. But it's like the rate on it's like really low, right? You know, three resources for, for two damage. And it's still good. It's still good. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a good effect, but you'd be careful once you start like throwing a lot of resource sinks around, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any resource sinks that are at like one resource. There's not one or two. No. I have faith in LSS to to implement it correctly though. I don't think that they would release something that breaks the game. Uh, I think that they, you know, happen with chain and then that's it. Now we're, we're yeah, all set. They, they, they would never they would never release an <laughs> never release an item that just gets a counter every time you play an attack action and a non attack action. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, I have more faith in L- in LSS, I think, than most people. Like, I have extreme faith in them. But I think that's a good topic, Dante. Dante, do you think that Briar needs an errata or a ban? Um, I don't think or she needs to get banned. I think that the like the the living legend system that they have right now might not be, I guess, fast enough for for Briar to see like the the ban. Does Briar need it though? Right? Because like that's the I don't question. really think so i think that maybe if similar to the way that viscera is printed where you can play a non-attack action and then follow up with rune blade cards and start generating rune chance if it was if you play you know your second um if your second non-attack action this turn is an elemental uh something i don't know i don't really know i'm not a designer. yeah i mean that's the common narrative right but the que- i think the yeah. question more is, is like do you think that that's what's needed because like if we went in that direction i think that that's probably where we would go but is it needed right because i think that it's a popular topic but like i don't think that it's needed because briar is just so much more targetable than like chain was like chain was like broken <laughs> it just yeah. Eat yeah everything no matter what and briar like Definitely has a very hard matchup into this Viscerai combo or OTK, whatever you want to call it. Definitely has a hard matchup into Oldheim. Not, not fatigue Oldheim, if you pitch stack. Um, but like, I mean, Michael's list, definitely a hard match. And then this mm-hmm. Ice Lexi list. Like, Ice Lexi is probably a little bit inconsistent, but I mean, it's not an easy match. Nope. Um, it's, yeah, there's definitely ways to to target Bar. I don't think that she needs to get banned in any way. Um, I also don't think that an errata is necessary. Um, if they were going to do it, they would probably find a, a way to. But I think that the deck, like you said, is just very easily targetable. So I don't think it becomes like this unstoppable force in the meta that, you know, it can deal with every deck. It doesn't have any bad matchups. Um, obviously, there's going to be decks in, in any meta that are stronger than other decks, um, especially if they're piloted well. But as long as there are decks that can can deal with it then it's fine uh whereas like you said with chain there just wasn't any deck that could 
deal with it effectively. Um, if you knew what you were doing yeah. on that deck, you had no losable matchups, essentially. Everything was just very easily winnable. I think the Briar deck is very powerful, but also very accessible, which is why it mm -hmm. feels so much more oppressive than I think it actually is. It's like, the deck is really cheap to build. The plan is really easy to understand, like the macro plan. Obviously, like the micro play is complicated, but um, like you can, I think you can like reach like eighty percent proficiency yeah. pretty quick with that deck, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's why I think that like that contributes more to the feeling of it being so good more than it actually just being this unstoppable force, like some people think. Yeah, <laughs> I think that if the Briar deck was something different, like if it turns out that Old Him was the best, uh, you know, the best character or whatever, the best hero in the game. Um, and it had the deck that was, you know, top of the meta right now, I don't think you would see nearly as much representation because I think that the deck would be more expensive to build, number one, and it wouldn't be as easy or, um, like, just fun to pick up and play as the as the Briar deck is. Um, I think that the Briar deck just sees this huge representation because not only is it a good deck, but it's also cheap and it's fun and easy to play uh, for the most part. There's a big piece there about um, <clears throat> the decks that have had success in this game so far, and you just talked about like if old time was like the better deck, right? All the de all the decks that have had success so far have been, uh, I would say, like pretty. They've had uh, they've had proactive game plans. One right, they've also been like pretty linear, and they've also been like fairly easy to play at like eighty percent. Like dash was definitely true of that chain, even to an extent. Yeah, there was the fatigue matchups, but <clears throat> you had raw power in that deck. And Chain had some, you know, you'd see the Agony, so there's some other things going on there. And then Briar very much reminds me of, like, this kind of dash minigame that walked into. And people, you know, better players as well, like, gravitated towards those decks, I think, because you could get to 90, 95% proficiency, be really good against the meta, be really good against, like, the mirror matches. Whereas if you take another deck, and, and maybe these, these decks that are harder to play, they're less intuitive, they probably take more time to understand matchups, maybe you've got a bit of aspects of some matchups not being uh, as, as close to the middle. Um, those decks seem to be... I guess less explored at this point. I really think, I honestly think that once we get to like the first pro tour, that's at the point where you get uh, people really, really pushing the limits of like deck design, of like game plan design. And then you find out like truly like how good is something like Briar? How good is the plan that, that Briar enacts? If we get to the first pro tour and, you know, Briar like is 40, 50% representation and, you know, there's four or five decks in the top eight and wins the event, then yeah, yeah I agree. But I just don't think that happens. I think, for instance, there's ways to, to target this deck. I think, um, the, the one card that like i'm concerned about is like plunder run just in general just that that card mm -hmm. just in the game in general but yeah I, I honestly think that the the heroes and the game plans we've seen so far like we're still getting their own deck design and we're still getting their own the way that game plans are designed as well yeah we didn't even talk about one of bro's worst matchups as well which is chain <laughs> like there's all the obvious like you know kind of counters but like chain itself is just mm -hmm. really strong into briar i mean i yeah. think just really well positioned in the meta as prism starts to kind of fade out yeah. and just like i don't know it depends because like that if we look at like the top eight of u.s nationals chain lists and we put this up against like a, a defensive old him list i'd be interested to see how it goes but like if it can beat that then it's the best deck in the format for sure mm -hmm. in my opinion but yeah that's why people play decks like briar right because yeah you might have like one or two bad matchups but if those decks are lowly represented then it's like okay but if you play a deck like chain and you have you know, people are still playing Prism Auras, people are still playing these Bravo decks where they're trying to fatigue, people are now picking up Ultim. You've got these, like, the meta is, like, evolving, but it's evolving, like, sideways. It's it's a really odd sort of concept I think we're seeing at the moment where the meta evolution isn't, like, this necessarily, like, build up. It's, like, 
people are still like attached to heroes because of how this game works. People are still attached to strategies they've played in the past because of how this game works. We have open fields mostly at the moment because of callings, um, although we've seen that change a little bit with nationals. So not like having a straight vertical build. You're having this like kind of these offshoots of things happening. And in the meantime, these linear decks seem to, I guess, continue to be able to uh, find success, like a lot of success because of that. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. That was like, exactly why we ended up on briar for now for orlando and not on chain because like yeah i mean but i it, there's Orvisera. a really good there's a really yeah there's a really good yeah or there's a really good argument that uh chain might actually still be the best tech in the format which is funny um who's been making that argument it's, well, well i mean it's, it's because we have things faded like we have a transition right like we are finally transitioning away from like prism and i think some of these defensive bravo builds but who knows? Because I also watched like Dan McKay play that chain list and just slap some fatigue lists. And he wasn't deck stacking or anything. He was just rolling it. Yep. So really. Yeah. <laughs> You're Don, see Dante's face. The, see the face of I, I told Dante to ignore me. The week the week before um Orlando, I went to a, a tournament at uh, at a game store near my house, Red Riot Games, and they were hosting a, a one thousand dollar tournament. Basically, if you win, you get like five hundred bucks, and like the thousand is split amongst the top eight. Uh, and I brought Chain to that event because I was trying it pr- like before Orlando just to get some like testing data in for the team. And every single deck that I played against was like a fatigue list, and I thought it was the hardest tournament that I've ever had to play in my life, <laughs> just because trying to beat fatigue with that new chain list was so like mm-hmm. i just found it so incredibly difficult um especially going caveat. up against it like round after round after round like maybe the first two rounds is fine because like mentally i'm fresh uh but once round three and four hit it was just really hard because the amount of like thinking and pitch stacking that you had to do like it's just too much i think um and i don't know like, like i can't see bringing that to a competitive event and seeing success if you're going to be mentally taxed the entire day while you're trying to like figure that out. So let me give you the caveat. So Dan was playing, not playing that list. So that list you were playing, Dan specifically said, he said that was a bad list. He's playing oh, Michael okay. Fang's list. Michael Fang's list, uh, the list that got second in US nationals. So it has oh, minimalism okay. and belittle and a significantly lower blood deck count than that list. Um, as well as, of course, the Flock of the Featherwalkers. And he was just kind of rolling the fatigue matchups without pitch stacking while yeah. your list was built to pitch stack and with like yeah. just 80% less tools. Yeah, you can tell Dan right. to go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that list, but it's, it's a hard list to play. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not for yeah, everyone right. to be able to, to pitch stack and play efficiently and use their spellbound creep as well. So, you know, yeah, I did discover that firsthand. Um, like I said, two rounds was fine. Once I hit round three, it was it was over. I just couldn't do it anymore. My brain like turned off. Just mush. So that's interesting <laughs> yeah. though. I would like to try that that Michael Feng list then. Uh, I really liked his list. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds really cool. I, and, uh, I want to ask you maybe Dante, that is the best deck in the format because you're gonna keep on testing. Like you said, you come back from your vacation on Monday and you keep on testing in a non-competitive format, right? Like we don't have any competitive events coming up it is sort of a chill time what's going to be your focus before everfest like what are you trying to get done what are you trying to improve on in the off season uh well like i said number one is learning kano but for the most part i know that dan and hayden both have their their nationals coming up pro- uh, probably before uh um, before everfest, everfest comes out so 
Uh, obviously, they have been incredible in terms of you know being testing partners to help uh, help me prepare for uh, all the callings that we went to, as well as nationals. Um, so I'm not really going to focus on me. I'm more going to focus on them. It's just whatever Dan and Hayden need, I'm here for you guys. Thanks, Dante. Good team answer. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice PR answer. I want to, um, like in the in the group, I want to redo the devastation thing, but like in house. I know mm -hmm. you're talking about like we can we might be able to do something where we you know, film it or whatever, like after Everfest, but still, I think it would just be a fun format. I like the idea of like drafting the heroes and then we were going to switch it up a little bit to where, you know, either your hero wasn't necessarily knocked out, but you can only win like two games with it or something. But I think it'd be really fun. Yeah. It's forcing people I to think... play other decks. Yeah, I liked I like that idea a lot as well. Um, I think that we should do it after Everfest comes out, though, I think we, to like yeah. push deck building Definitely, once with yeah. the new cards, basically. Because otherwise, it's just like, I mean, like for me personally, anyway, I don't know about you guys, but I'd just be like, let me just go net deck a list that I know is good and just play that <laughs> into these pools. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. That's funny. Yeah. So Hayden, let's talk about you a little bit, because you still have Nationals, obviously, so does Dan. What are you looking at to prepare for nationals right now? Are you still are you pretty committed to the Lightning Briar deck, or are you, you know, seeing other people at this at this point? I I, <laughs> I never wanted to play that deck. Um, as much as I think it was like a pretty, I talked about this. I talked about this. I think in maybe an episode a couple of weeks ago, and I've talked, you know, both of you about this about like the line of where you choose to play a deck, like a deck like Lightning Briar and where it was positioned in that format. You could be like slightly too late on the deck or you could be like slightly ahead of the the line be playing the right deck especially if you have the right list and i think for that event like we were slightly ahead that was fine like we had the right list and i think it was okay um i i really don't want to be playing a deck i think there's decks out there that are, that are very good um i think for me at the moment it's like working out the meta is starting to i guess solidify a bit with the the nationals happening at the moment um i think that a lot of what we see in the next two weeks will probably be what i see it sounds like january is going to be my nationals so Christmas is like downtime for people, you know, there's going to be like only realistically like maybe six or seven weeks before before nationals and there's going to be no major events happening in that time. So after the, you know, these, this weekend of nationals. So I think we're going to see like a pretty solidified meta um, unless New Zealand nationals happens before Australian nationals. And in which case that could, you know, throw some banners in the works in terms of like decks that pop up and things like that. But um, it sounds like they, they might end up happening maybe on the same weekend even. Um, Australia is like ahead of New Zealand now in terms of just likelihood of nationals being hosted um yeah. so yeah for me it's like understand this meta that's starting to solidify <clears throat> get reps on the decks that are doing well and then just understand like how i think i want to target that. ideally i want to uh play a deck that probably we're not seeing maybe at the moment and, and can target these current decks in the meta so yeah we'll see, we'll see what happens that's my plan though so give me the percent chance that you end up on lightning briar briar just throw it out the percent chance yeah 15 percent 10 percent whoa that's yeah. way higher than i thought you would say that's, that's crazy what I, that's what I thought it would be yeah i mean it's this well, like if you break down like what heroes are in the format right that i'm likely to play there's probably five or six maximum and then lightning briar is like a good established deck and i think that there's still some tuning opportunities with that deck so you know i think 10 or 15 percent is pretty reasonable <laughs> I'll take one of the two percent. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna shut it down with a zero, and I was trying to go two to be higher than the zero. But I'm, I'm actually shocked. So. I'm not a maniac. For you, Hayden. Way to not be close-minded. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see where Viserai goes. Um, like the current Viserai list that beats Lightning Briar is 
it's not too crazy, right? Like it definitely has game plan in terms of like you know, maybe gets in some damage and it sort of combo it builds a good chance it combos you out. Um, what I'm really interested about Viscerai is just the spellbound creepers. Obviously, those are runeblade, runeblade agnostic. So you can play them in any runeblade, but that just seems like if there's like any potential problem cards like um, that kind of haven't been found out yet, I really think that spellbound creepers is one of them. Yeah, I think there yeah. will be a deck that just abuses that card. Yep. Didn't say it enough, to be honest. <laughs> it is it is pretty strong. Um, I only really actually realized that when you spellbound creepers me on my turn and like did a sonata for God knows how much with uh, with the skeleton, which I also learned is an instant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lost to like just five arcane damage or whatever it was instantly because I literally could not do anything because it's my turn. Um, and yeah, but getting killed on my turn was something that isn't a steel blade shunt uh, or a sigil of suffering, I guess. Now, uh, was was very strange, <laughs> um, and that's kind of when I started realizing, like, huh, is uh, the spellbound creepers card might be kind of good. Uh, that's a little interesting. Yeah, before that, Dante was just using it to defend with. He's like, ah, iron rot boots, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> that is basically what they were for me, because um, I don't have uh, you know the technical mind of uh, these two, uh, you know, just goliaths of men uh, <laughs> so, i just couldn't figure it out you know i need someone to teach me and uh thank god i have them to do that so funny yeah that and rosetta thorn are just nuts rosetta thorn is yeah. such a funny weapon that was added to the game the one cost two and two yeah powerhouse that's good Right. Yeah, it is uh, extremely good. I love that it comes in armory kits as a cold foil and I don't have to shill out like $7,000 to buy a cold foil version that comes out of a set or something like Just that. Just got mine. Uh, that Just got mine last so night. Sad. Oh, you got yours last night? Atta boy. Did, did. I played uh, I played Reiner in a classic constructed uh, armory. Oh, yeah. took it out, eh? Good, good event. I had fun. Played a lot of fun games. Interesting. Over or under Hayden uh, being on on Reinar, uh, over under fifty percent for for Nats. What do you think, Brendan? I'll take under. Oh, really? It, I think that it's an underappreciated deck, especially into Lightning Briar. Like it has. What do you a, think? <laughs> Don't know. No thoughts currently. So, Ooh, honest. something it, tells it sounds me. Sounds like a man on vacation. Over for sure. <laughs> I think that uh, I think Hayden might rock up with a KO deck. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i would love to see it at all ko coming in everfist so here we go <laughs> can you oh can you imagine oh no that would be so bad i would have to quit the game uh wouldn't be good would be no other it wouldn't be good <laughs> no. these heroes uh and they should right their names uh they've been given names so they should stay locked to the blitz in theory to yeah. young heroes but you know yeah i don't doubt so it all. as well Oh yeah, nice uh, three intellect. I know all about that, and I can tell you it is impossible to. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> oh man, you should uh, just tell that story, Dante. That's actually hilarious. Sure. Yeah. So it was um, in Orlando. I, I just finished the tenth round of Swiss, I believe, um, and at that point, I was uh, undefeated in the Swiss rounds. I had just beaten Matt Rogers, actually, and Matt Rogers is like a player that I really look up to. So. You know, the adrenaline is high. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit. I got to go take a walk. So I grab my posse, uh, Brendan Patrick, Hayden Dale. Uh, they come outside with me, my boys, as they say. 
Uh, we're all just hanging out outside. They decide to go back into the uh, into the into the venue. I decide to go to the washroom because uh, you know after a match like that you get a little bit nervous. I get back into the venue. Turns out the next round has started. Everybody's kind of finding their seats and sitting down. Um, from the door entering the venue to table one of where the calling was happening, it's like a mile long walk. It is insane how far you have to go to get there. So I, I engage speed walking mode. I'm like, I turn on the thrusters, I'm getting down there. Um, unfortunately, I was not fast enough because I'm about 20 seconds away from my table when I hear the intercom uh, go out and the head judge basically says that the next round is starting. But I'm walking over, I'm, I am speed at this point, and everybody can see me walking. <laughs> um, the judge is standing at my table with my opponent, and he can literally see me like speed walking over. And they saw me prior to the next round being you know, called a starting or anything like that. Um, I sit down, and the judge is like, yep, so you're late. And I was like, yes, I'm sorry, I was in the washroom. And he's like, that doesn't matter, you're getting an IP5. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I literally sat at that table like 20 seconds late. But I took a look at the official rules. If you're anything more than zero seconds late, you get an IP5. So uh, that was a little bit crazy uh, and something that I'll never do again. I'll just hold it. Um, just tell the judge. Holy moly. Yeah, no, it's just, it was crazy. <laughs> the way Dante and... described it to me, he was like, yeah, I was mid-wipe. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Do you think we told you? Like, rounds up, rounds up, Dante. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't hear. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, definitely not the best decision I ever made. I actually lost twenty elo for for that that loss, and I think that that was a game that I could have, you know, could have won for sure. Uh, so it was definitely, uh, definitely not the best thing that could have ever happened. But listen, Lent. at least I it mean, wasn't for top eight. Getting... Could have been worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting a getting an IP five was certainly not ideal, and I never want one again uh, because I learned pretty quick that it's almost impossible to win a game if you have an IP five. I don't think it actually is possible. Um, the uh, the disadvantage that you're at throughout the entire game, I don't know. For anybody that plays Dad at all, like I commend you because you must hate yourself. Uh, that cannot be fun. Um, so, Imagine, yeah, just. Imagine Never again and... will I be late for a round. Imagine rocking up and getting IP5 playing down at all. That'd be rough. Yeah, that, that would be rough. I'll save that for the next Blitz calling. Um, I'll make sure that I bring down at all and I'll come to my round late and just see what happens. Oh. Just test the waters a little bit. You heard it here first. Dante on down at all for the next uh, Blitz calling. <laughs> Confirmed. Lock it in. Brutal. Hey, did you have a question? <laughs> you were about to say something earlier. Before we got caught off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, I think there was. Uh, I wanted to ask just what Dante's record was at at nationals overall. So you said that you went one two on day two of draft. So what was your constructed record? And what was your draft record overall? Yeah, so my constructed record was six zero. Um, aside from, well, I guess six one because I lost uh, in, the, right. in the top eight to the the person that ended up winning the event. Actually, um, she she ended up beating me. So on on a, the ice lexi deck, which is just. Not a good matchup, um, but yeah. So six one, I suppose in in CC, and then draft. I don't even know. I think I went two three. one the first day and one two the second uh, day. Three three. Um, yeah, and the two one was like just a, a miracle, really, that it <laughs> happened. I can't even imagine if like I ended up playing one of my friends in the uh, in the top 
or not in the top in the last round of draft on day one um and it was old him versus versus old him and he said that he could have boarded in like i think it was 39 cards or something like that and i only had 32 that i could have possibly boarded in um I ended up, we both ended up playing uh, 30, but it went to like this ultra fatigue game where like Evergreen is winning you the game essentially at that point because there's, you know, there's just no other, no other option for you. And had he boarded in 39 cards, I would have lost like on the spot. There would have been no chance for me. So interesting. Uh, I'm really glad that he didn't. And I think that is the only reason that I ended up top eighting is because I was able to fatigue him before he fatigued me. Um, and yeah, I just, I hate draft and I'm just going to, you know, I love draft. I'll tell you what, I have a, I have a little story for you, Dante. I played a draft skirmish in the weekend and I played an all-time mirror where my opponent was playing 39 cards and I was playing 30 and I fatigued them. So, you fatigued uh, them? Yeah, yeah. That's usually how it goes, actually. That's yeah. funny enough. You that's actually are just there. a better player. The quality yeah, of the cards are so much lower. If you a stronger deck, you yeah. will, you will like three for one them consistently and you'll actually fatigue them. It's, it's crazy, but yeah this is so tomorrow evergreen was, <laughs> i'm telling you right now my deck was so good like that old him list that i had was actually really really good um but i don't know i just i guess i'm just a bad player that's the only explanation for me because i literally like if he ran 39 cards it would have been no chance for me um even with his deck completely diluted it wouldn't have mattered like i, I would have just lost on the spot well, Dante, thank you so much for joining us and telling all of your secret stories with us. Um, <laughs> it's always funny to hear. But yeah, until next time, active player turn zero, one initial turn. It's time to round. <laughs>